is it sometimes disappointing to meet your heroes though? Or not? No, no, not at all. the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host Stephen Horns and I'm joined by my co-host Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually or maybe you already have. This show is about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads and anything in between. In this episode we're going to be talking about some of the skills you need to run a successful side hustle. So Kevin, how's it been since we last recorded? Yeah, yeah, good thanks. Yeah, we've been... Um... We've been sort of working on some new advertisements, so we're looking at Facebook ads. Um, so the jury's still out on whether they're successful or not, so obviously we've got to do some tinkering with those. Um, also, we've been researching and tinkering with our AdWords campaign, um, trying to get a little bit more out of those. And also, um, we've got a new product, which is going to be our new Timber Beam calculator software product, so we've been testing that. So just lots and lots of testing, obviously, because whatever we do is is kind of safety critical, so we have to do lots of testing on that. I've also been doing some, a little bit of consultancy work as well. Uh, what have you been up to, Steve? Uh, so the last few weeks have been quite hectic. So I've finished my um, asynchronous messaging course for Plural Site. So that is due out by the end of this week that we're recording. So. Yeah, I know you did mention that you were doing a lot of work on that. So that's, that's due out. But I've also, I was asked to record another type of course called an executive briefing, which is a course that's less than half an hour long. But instead of it being kind of a screen recording or screencasting, it's properly filmed. Okay. So I've done filmed work for Pluralsight before where they've provided a film crew, but but this time I had to kind of do it all myself. So last week was quite stressful because trying to get lights set up without it reflecting off of your monitor or reflecting off of your glasses or having the auto cue or teleprompter reflecting off of your screen. <laughs> yeah. It was really quite stressful, but we got there in the end and the footage looks brilliant. So I came in on a Sunday to record. Okay, was it just quieter on Sunday? Or? Yeah, I mean, as, as you can probably hear on our recording, sometimes you can hear footsteps of people above. Oh, and you couldn't, you couldn't. So yeah, when, I, when I do a normal plural site course, it's not really an issue because if I'm recording and someone walks past, I just stop, wait for them to go, and then carry on, and it's all edited together. But when you're filming, you can't really do that because it has to be a fluid take for each clip. Oh, you can't, yeah, you can't edit edit the, the visuals, yeah. Yeah, so I, I came in last Sunday for a very long day in the office to record, <laughs> but it, it was all done, it looks fantastic, and it came out today. Oh, fantastic, congratulations. So I'm very happy about that, so hopefully that will do well. And then, apart from that, I've just started work on another plural site course, you know. Okay, don't, yeah. don't, don't want to sit still for too long. No, no. So I'm doing a, more of a soft skills course on procrastination and focus this time. Which is okay, yeah. I've been writing about and talking about a lot recently, so I'm turning that into a course. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Christmas so I can have a rest. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> well, today's questions. We've got some quite good questions. Um, so the first one is from a guy called Bob from Twitter, and he asks, do you think you need to be a manager in your real job before you can become a successful business owner? Yeah, so thinking about this, I, I don't think you really do need to be a manager. You know, the sort of skill set you need to be a manager in a, in a larger company it's very different to being sort of managing your own time. You're not really you're not really managing other people, at least initially when you're starting out. So I don't think you really do need the skill set as a manager. Perhaps you need to be organised, but perhaps not a manager of other people or to have that kind of background. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, when you're starting out a small business, I mean, certainly like ours, I mean, you're not going to be necessarily managing that many people. I mean, I don't manage anyone except the odd freelancer, whereas I guess you have a few more people that you work with. Yeah, not, yeah, not, not, not. It's not difficult to manage there. I think it's not like I'm managing a team of people, you yeah, know, or a large team, you know. I um, think some of the skills that you acquire as a manager would certainly be beneficial. You know, you know, your ability to you know be patient, to listen to people, and some of the skills that we're going to talk about later in the episode. So, I don't think it's certainly it's not going to hurt being a manager. No, I think I think it'd be useful to have that skill set, but I think you could get along with it or acquire that, or if if it's something you're weak at, you could perhaps think, oh, what can I do to learn some skills, you know. Um, but no, I don't think. So. I think also if you, I think if you have a passion for what you're doing, I think people go along with that vision, don't they? Or the values that you have, you know. So it's not so much being a manager, but it's more sort of inspiring people to work alongside you, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. it's. 
I mean, from my background, I mean, I always used to be you know, very technical. I, mean, I was a developer, you know, junior developer, developer, senior developer, and then I kind of got pushed into the management side um, yeah, sort of quite, yeah. quite a while ago, which was good at the time, but over time, I, mean, I never actually really enjoyed it that much. I kind of had this craving to go back to the actual you know, doing the work as opposed to managing the people doing the work. Yeah, yeah. Just I think a lot of people do struggle that day. I think as you go, as you go up your progress in your career, you get pulled more into the management side. That's ten, technical people tend to become managers, and it's not always what they enjoy doing, is it? Yeah. Um, and also, that thing is, is it the Peter principle where they say you get promoted to your level of incompetence? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, I don't think it's a prerequisite. I mean, if you are a manager and then you decide to do your own thing, I think that the skills you develop as a manager are certainly going to help you. But I certainly wouldn't say it's a prerequisite. No, I no, I would not at all. Yeah, just just have a go and see how you get on. Okay, so this next question was from a guy called Steve. It wasn't me. So, so, so <laughs> Another Steve. There's more than one Steve. And he's kind of aimed it at me, but it, it'd be a good one for both of us to look at. So he goes, Steve, you say you're an introvert. Does that make it hard pitching for work and negotiating? Um, so I don't know. Does it? Does no, it, make no, it doesn't. Man? So there's a, a lot of people get introversion and shyness mixed up. They think if, if you class yourself as an introvert, then you must be naturally shy. Mm. So... They're two different things. So I am an introvert, and what that means is, if you know, if I need to recharge my batteries, I like to sit in a room by myself. Whereas an extrovert likes to be surrounded by people. But I'm certainly not shy. I mean, I'm quite happy to pick up the phone, negotiate contracts, pitch for work. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not shy. I mean, I, I do a lot of public so, speaking. Yeah, I, I, I stand on stage and address people. But once I've done that, I need to go be by myself for <laughs> half an hour. Or an yeah. Hour. Yeah. To have a so, rest. So no, I, I don't find it holds me back at all. Now, you, you can get people who are introverts and who are also shy, and that would be a problem. But mm. for me, no, that's not an issue. No, I mean, it's, it's perhaps if you only do, if you if you had to say, if your full-time job was being a salesman and that's all you did, I think you would struggle, perhaps, do you think, with that? You know, if you had to be purely be an extrovert all the time, you know, if you're yeah. pitching to people all day, it might be a problem, perhaps, I don't know. But other than that, yeah, if it's just a... You know, occasionally you've got to go and pitch for a, a project or whatever. I can't imagine that, yeah, that I mean, being a problem. With what I do in my business, I mean, I, as I said before, I, I don't work with anyone else. I just work for myself. And most of the people I interact with generally are in the US. So I spend a lot of time by myself. So if I was an extroverted person, I'd probably find that a bit of a problem. Yeah, but yeah it could be, could be quite lonely, yeah. It's never really affected me. So thanks to Bob and Steve for those questions. Some, yeah. uh, Thank you, Bob and Steve. Pretty good questions there. So, for today's topic, then, um, I guess one of those questions is certainly relevant to this is kind of what kind of skills would you need to develop or build up when you're in your full time job that are going to help you um, when you set your own business up? Yeah, so a lot of this is kind of the more softer skills than obviously the technical side, but yeah, these are these are things that you have to learn. Yeah, so, so I've listed a few out and I just thought we'll go through them and sort of. Yeah, yeah. See what you think. So first of all, I mean, sort of general people skills. And by people skills, I mean things like, you know, being able to effectively listen to someone, um, being assertive. And that's quite an important one, that because there's quite a difference between being assertive and then actually manipulating someone. There's kind of, there's kind of <laughs> yeah. a fine line between the two. So I think that's a really good skill to have. And I've listed as well things like um, sort of conflict resolution. So being able to arbitrate disputes between people, I think is kind of a useful skill to have. Yeah, yeah. But general, I mean, I think saying everyone has to have is just general good people skills. You know, not being yeah not, something not 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 being an arsehole. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's just being a good human being, isn't it? But I I think um, and you mentioned like listening, and sometimes I think there's this thing you know sometimes you just smile and listen, you know. And but I'm not great. I I tend to I think it's a skill I've got to be better at is is instead of talking. I've noticed when I've listened to the pod, the old podcast, sometimes I talk too much, you know. And I think sometimes I need to listen more and talk less you know it's it's hard though isn't it you know especially if you're really passionate about it and you really want to get the message out but sometimes you do have to listen to what the other person or what a customer or or a prospect has to say um yeah. i mean I, I put down listening assertiveness and conflict resolution specifically because when i worked for a big online bank once as we were sort of going up you know, from a developer to senior developer and then into a management position, there were certain mandated courses that we had to do. And these were courses that were run internally within the company. And those are three important ones that you had to do. You know, you had to get your boxes ticked to say you've done these three <laughs> courses. Yeah, it reminds me of, have you ever seen that episode of The Office where they do like a training course the day? 
it just reminds me of yeah, when I worked I can corporations. Imagine, I can imagine that's and, really cringeworthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but these these courses we did. I mean, you know, being a bit younger at the time, I was like, oh my god, do I really have to sit through this? But actually, I'm glad I did because they were very, very good. And uh, I think those three things have really sort of helped me in my career. So especially when I was a manager, you know, if you're having a one-to-one or an appraisal with someone, you have to make sure that you sit down and actually let that person talk, which is really important. Because if you just yeah. talk over them, then they're not going to open up to you. And sometimes you need people to be open and honest with you. And the only way you can do that is by giving them the time to actually sort of get things off their chest. Yeah. Uh, being assertive as well, I think, is very important. So, especially you know, if you're in, if you're in the workplace and you're a manager, for example, you know, sometimes you need to tell people what to do. You know, you don't want to be an arsehole about it. You, you have, but sometimes you have to be fairly. Forceful. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's probably the same applies with customers, isn't it? It's, you, you don't want to promise too much to customers that you can't do. You know, it's a matter of um, being firm and fair, isn't it? I think with people, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like I said there's a difference between being assertive and then sort of being manipulative. And if you think of it in terms of um, two sides of a fence, you know, if you've got, if you're being assertive for someone, then the outcome is you're going to have a win-win on both sides. Okay, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're going to manipulate someone, then you have a win-lose. So you, you get a win for yourself, but the person that you're interacting with isn't really going to get anything yeah, out of it. Yeah, they're going to feel it's going to be uh, not positive. And sometimes it can be really hard to kind of get the right side of that line. Mm. And if you're sort of working with customers or you, you know you have staff that you take on in your business, freelancers that you work with, I think that's kind of an important skill that sometimes you do need to be sort of reasonably forceful to get what you want, but you also need to make sure that they're going to get something out of the bargain as well. So if you're, you know, joining up on a, a project with another company, yeah, or you're trying to bid for some work, you need to make sure that both parties actually get something out of it and it's not all one-sided. And that's kind of how being assertive but not too forceful is a really important skill. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, it. it's a balance, isn't it? I think, like, because I've got people that work for me, they'll, they'll do bits of work for me, and I think it's important, you know, that I communicate what we need out of them. But some ways are good because they're probably, you know, you sort of educate them and give them useful skills as well, or, or some new technical information or knowledge, you know. Um, so some some days it, it, it can be can work quite well. Okay, so that's kind of general people skills, um, you know, just working well with people and not, not being horrible. And so next I've listed organisation and planning, which I think are absolutely fundamental to being able to run a business. Yeah, yeah. And that goes from everything from, you know, the actual planning of the products that you're building, right away through to some of the, you know, being able to plan some of the less glamorous parts as well, like financial accounting. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm dreading because I'm actually coming up to tax time for my company so I've got to, to yeah, over the next I, week I've, I've got to prepare all of my reports for the accountant uh, same for me actually I've got to do the end of this month it's got to all be finished yeah I hate that part of the year the most mm. expensive part of the year <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Mr Taxman well, comes a knock yeah I've paid most of because uh, I've got three businesses and we've we've paid the taxes on two of those I've just got the last one to sort out by the end of this month but yeah it's, it's been painful <laughs> it's not not good yeah, but you know, being able to organise yourself is absolutely essential. And you know, if you're in a position where you know that sometime in the future you want to do your own business, but maybe you're not quite ready yet, then I think bit, you know, focusing on good organisation and planning skills is something that you should put into practice. Yeah, I think as soon as you can in your current job. Yeah, I think especially if you, if you because when you're self-employed, you know, there's nobody else telling you to do anything, so you've got to kind of do what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, there's, again, there's, there's not somebody there just telling you what to do, so you, mm. you do have to be very organised. Absolutely, because I mean, when you're working for yourself, I mean, I, mean I, I find this myself as well, sometimes you have to be very strict with yourself, because it's very tempting just to say, well, I'm just going to sit down and watch TV. Yeah, or, yeah. I, and I'm not quite feeling it today, I'm going to take some time off, and then if you do that too often, before you know it, you've lost like a week. Yeah, I think it helps if you enjoy the work that you do as well, mm. it makes it less of a chore then, doesn't it? So the next one I put down was um, problem-solving skills. Okay. And, you know, this is absolutely critical because effectively, as a business owner building a product, you know, you're trying to solve problems for people. So, so I mean, your, your business is a perfect example of this, where you're taking something really complicated, like calculating what steel beams you need, and you're trying to make it easy for someone. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine there's quite a lot of problem-solving you had to do to try and make that intuitive. Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of it comes from, obviously you get feedback from, from customers and and. Obviously, you know from your own. It's a, 
sort of dog food a lot of it you know where you you know you're basically using your own product to solve your own problems you know as as well as listening to customers and yeah it is it is it is tricky really um, it's an ongoing process I don't think it's ever finished isn't it it's, it's you're constantly solving these problems so when you when you first started still being calculator was it was it actually to do like a personal building project yourself or did you just have this idea that you thought um, it'd be, make it easier for someone well, else one thing I did think was obviously I wanted to launch it as a product but then I thought if if nobody buys this product I'm at least going to make it good enough so that I can use it on my own projects so I thought I want it to be you know I know what I wanted because I wanted it to solve my I thought oh, I was going to solve my problem and I thought I'd like this tool so it's quite nice you know and I thought if nobody does use it at least I'll get some use out of it because yeah. I'll be able to use it for my own for my own project so yeah there was a bit of that um, using it to solve but it, it was it was to sell as a commercial product that always was the intention okay. but with the byproduct that I thought if nobody uses it at least I can make use of it so, so we could expect a nice home extension to your house <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe build your own house I know, just day. use it for main consultancy work you know yeah. but um, okay. yeah yeah that was, that was the intention but problem solving doesn't always mean just the, the fun part of building the product as well I mean once once your product's gone live you're going to have to do some after support and things do go wrong sometimes, which requires you to solve problems sometimes in creative ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm fairly lucky in what I do, so I don't have to do too much support on the content I do. I mean, some, you have to ask questions of like viewers sometimes, but I'm, I'm not maintaining the platform, so I very rarely have to support that or try and fix yeah, anything with that, which is good. We do, we do get a bit of headache with support, but there's, there's things you can do, obviously, with the feedback you get from customers, you can perhaps change aspects of the product to make it easier to support, you know, there's things that you can do. But I mean, in terms of, obviously, your courses are probably people have a, a problem in that they don't know how to do a particular thing. So do your courses address these problems? And, and how do you how do you determine which problems to solve, you know, which do you have a pro, you know, mechanism for looking at various different problems and... Yeah, so most of the courses I've built have been around my own personal experiences of things that I've had to solve or fix in the past. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it, each course is different. I've had some courses which are kind of about a specific technology, so I try and teach, you know, yeah. a whole technology or... Is this where you've tried to say if you want to learn about a particular technology and then you can do it as a course, you know, or something you're interested in or something that you needed to solve for work or... Yeah, so, I mean, like the, the course I'm just about to release, it's on um, asynchronous messaging with a particular product called RabbitMQ, mm. which I've already done a course on that before, but this is using a, a separate library called EasyNetQ. So it's, a, so it's a, a subset of a particular problem domain, which I focus on in one course. Okay. Because one thing I've found over time working at Pluralsight is it's very hard to do. I mean, I've done some courses that are like, you know, over four, between four and five hours long. Whereas now I'm actually thinking it's actually better to be a bit more specific in some of the things that you're trying to address and actually do it as like an hour and a half, two hour course. Okay, yeah, instead. yeah. Is that something that you've sort of, you've had feedback from, from users that that's what they want or? And not directly from users. I mean, we, we've had access to an analytics dashboard before so we can kind of see how people are consuming the courses and where they drop off or sometimes you might get someone actually just watch a specific module of the course and not the whole thing. Okay. So yeah. we try and structure the courses so people can just dive into the bit that they want as well. Oh, so, yeah. So you don't, yeah. you don't have to sit there and watch the entire thing. You can have one so just watch the particular bit that solves their problem, yeah. Yeah, but, but effectively, you know, we are trying to help people solve a particular problem, and that's how we structure the courses. Okay, yeah. Okay, so the next bit is absolutely vital, I think, to, yeah. uh, to run in a business, and that is budgeting and financial planning, or the completely, you know, these are not the most glamorous parts of running a business, but they are essential, otherwise you'll go out of business if you don't keep an eye on them. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, I mean, budgeting is, at its core level, you need to make sure that you're spending less than you're making. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it seems like problem. an obvious concept, but it's, it's one that's easy to get, easy to get wrong. Um, I, think you, I think you have to be, I think it helps if you, you know, some kind of, what do you call it, financial literacy, you know, if you understand um, what you need to do just to keep, you know, to keep a, a home over your head. You know, you need to you need to know, don't you? Mm. Um, how much you can spend? Um, you know, just be financially literate. I'd say. You know, what 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 are your thoughts on? Well, I agree. I mean, when I started off, I had a spreadsheet and I and I set myself like monthly budgets on Did what you? I could spend oh, on okay, certain yeah. things. And then I sort of keep quite a good track of that. But then as I sort of got more established and started thinking about going full-time doing this, that started to get, getting a bit unwieldy, so I switched over to using a package called Zero. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. 
So I literally use that for all of my sort of financial accounting. And then you can go in there and you can kind of see each bucket that you assign receipts to. So you can instantly see how much money you've had going out that month okay, versus yeah. how much has been coming in in revenue. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. It, I mean, it gives you some nice graphs so you can sort of see. It's, it's tricky. I mean, obviously, there's only so much you can save or budget. So obviously, at the end of the day, you've got to put some focus into growing the business and getting more money in. I think sometimes, you know, there's only, there's only so much money you can save, isn't there, or be so yeah. efficient, you know. Um, so obviously it's a factor, but I think you've got to also concentrate. You're not going to dig yourself out of a hot outside of, you know, a big a big hole by not earning the money in the first place, you know. That, that's that's critical as well, isn't it? But one, one thing I'd urge anyone to think about quite strongly before they think about running their own business is to not just look at your business finances, but to look at your personal finances as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, I'm, I'm not saying you have to go completely debt free before you start a business, but you need to kind of get any debts you've got under control. Yeah, I think it. I think it helps. I think. Um, I think that's a problem, isn't it? Everybody, that's why people get stuck in jobs because they get the car loans, they get the obviously the big mortgage, and yeah. you get all, all of these, and they get credit cards, and and you basically it's hard to get out of that hole once you're in it, isn't it? And you probably a lot of people are probably scared to go and do their own thing because they're in this big debt mess. I think if you want to start your own business, I'd, if I was you, I'd, the first thing to do is try and clear all those debts or, or get as near to well, them as you can. At least get them under control, yeah. I mean, you know, I was, I was the same as most young people. Well, I'm not young now, but yeah. when, 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 I, when I was younger, I was, you know, fairly typical. You know, I had student debt and it's very easy to rack up credit card debts. And before you know it, they sort of get quite high and then, yeah. you know, so you only start paying the minimum balance and yeah. then the interest starts accruing. And, and that is quite a dangerous well, it's quite a dangerous leap to be in so you need to make sure you can break out of that yeah if you are in that position yeah i know it's 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 it's, it's tricky i mean obviously if you're doing a side hustle on the side that helps a little bit you know you mm. can get a bit extra cash a bit of experience and also you'll perhaps see how much money you're gonna hopefully you want to be quite secure before you make the leap so you know that you're financially secure i think some people do some take some crazy risks and i just wouldn't do that person i think i'd always i think you did the same thing you do that you know you could um, you had a certain amount of money in the bank. You knew that how well your current side hustle was doing. You know that you can yeah. make the leap without it being a major financial struggle. I think yeah. that's I important. Mean, I think. Both, both me and my wife Amanda. I mean, we're quite both risk adverse. We yeah. both absolutely hate debt. So you know, we quite early on we we cleared a lot of our debts. Yeah, yeah. So for us, it was it kind of wasn't too bad. But I mean, you're right. I mean, one thing I'd urge people to do is is to kind of have a pot put away in reserve like yeah. you know, it, it, it depends on the person just, you, know, you yes. might have like two or three months this might sound how if you're if you're if you're in debt and you don't have any savings it's perhaps not a good idea to start a business i don't know is that harsh did you say or i would perhaps, you, and, perhaps you could but i think you'd have to think very carefully about what you're doing I think yeah i guess could, it, how comfortable you are with risk i guess i mean i'm, I'm not comfortable with it at all so. yeah it's just <laughs> thing, you know you've got to be you've got to i think you've got to be disciplined enough to have you know to have savings and to not have debt, and but it, it, it's easy to say, isn't it? You know, because it's it's very easy to get into debt. I can imagine. You know? Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen sort of advice from a lot of you know experts in quote in quotes who say that you know if you're going to start a business, doing it when you're younger is probably better because you've got less. Um, yeah, there's probably a bit. You, of an you've, you've got less responsibilities, but I also think that could be a dangerous time to do it as well because that's probably when you're a bit more careless with money. Probably don't have the skills as well, yeah. or the or the technical knowledge, or whatever. It's it's difficult. I mean, I I did actually start my business before I had children, and I think it was easier back then, you know, because I didn't have the the expenses that I have now. Um, the other thing that kind of thinking about budgeting and finding, I think you can only take it so far with budgeting. And I watch these TV shows, and there's all all the rage, aren't there? How you can save money on food and stuff. But then there's not never a TV show that says, oh, here's you can be an entrepreneur and triple triple what you earn and then it doesn't matter what you, you if you spend five pence on on your groceries it doesn't really make any difference and I, I, that kind of annoys me a little bit every time i see this yeah. there's a tv show at the moment what's it called something like you see an app where you can save on your weekly shop or whatever oh yeah and I they get them to swap mean, yeah. their foods i can't think what the program's called but every time i said i said this really bugs me this program because they do all these shows on how to save a few pennies and then you've got the presenters who come and tell them how to do it but these presenters are on like millions of pounds a year or mm. whatever. And I'm thinking, they don't budget, do they? They don't think, but they don't do all the, you know, whatever. They just probably spend yeah, what they I, like. I can't like. remember the name of the programme. One I, of the guys who used to um, 
present master chef greg wallace greg yeah wallace, yeah it, really. and um this won't mean anything to any the any so for all our listeners outside of the uk because this probably won't mean but there's probably shows like that all around the world where people it's like trying to save oh, save a few pennies here and then you've got these millionaire presenters coming to tell you how to save a few pennies and it kind of really bugs me and i think shouldn't they teach these people you can spend what you like if you become an entrepreneur you can you can make more money and it doesn't matter you know you can have whatever brand yeah. Um, food you want or whatever is that harsh is it or no I don't think I mean I still think you need that I think at least initially when you're starting out you do need some kind of real discipline yeah, and if I mean, you don't have that kind on, of on that programme you sound about it when I, know, I know the programme I mean I can't think of the name of it, which, which, is, which is not very useful but they, they've got some families who are spending like upwards of a thousand pounds you know oh, a, a, a week yeah. on groceries and oh, they're, they're trying to get their food bill down is, is that how much are you spending <laughs> Yeah, some of it is a bit a, a bit crazy, but um, I still think that it's all about saving money, which I think is good. But what about making money? Yeah, that's important. As I think that's probably more important than saving money. Sometimes it's making the money in the first place, or making so, or, or making consistent money. Yeah, so, so, so I think so I, I, I think it's important to be disciplined and to budget, etc. But I think also it's important to be um, look, focusing on 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 growth and. Uh, revenue generation as well I think that's probably more important yeah or probably at the start they're probably both important but I think as you grow I think they're making money more money is probably more if you're looking to grow your revenue I think you need to be realistic with your growth projections as well <laughs> so I say some people do a business and like, oh I'm going to grow by 100% next, by the end of next year it'll be no problem then they get really disappointed when they don't yeah it's, it's, it's hard though isn't it it's pick, hard. Pick, a, pick a more comfortable number in it say like for that. 25% or something yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah, so budgeting and financing, you know, it's not the most glamorous part of running a business, but without it, yeah, and without looking after it, you know, you will cause yourself problems. So it's, it's very essential. And so if you haven't really got any skills in that area, try and get into a position where you can in, in your current job, maybe, you know, maybe seek out some opportunities where you can maybe get put in charge of a budget for something, depending on, you know, yeah, you work and what yeah, it is you and do. Yeah, practice allocating different, different resources. Yeah. Try and practice with someone else's money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you can. Okay, the next one I put on here. This is the one I struggle with the most. So marketing. Oh, I don't know. I don't think you do. I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, I, 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 I found it really hard. It is. It's a, it's a dark art thing, isn't it? Marketing. Um, That's why. I mean, when, when you've been playing around with Facebook ads, I'd be quite interested to know how it's worked for you. Um, oh, it's 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 a dark. I think with marketing, you just have to try lots of different things, and you'll find lots of things don't work, and you'll find a couple of things do work, and then you kind of have to double down and do the really boring, grinding things that you don't enjoy <laughs> a lot. Do you know? Yeah, to, it's, it's it's the bit I really hate. I mean, if, if I release a book, I mean, I use Amazon marketing services, which is kind of like Facebook ads, but for Amazon. Okay, yeah. and that's actually pretty good. That, that's, because they tell you how much money you've made as a result of the advert, so you've got some good tracking tools. Yeah, yeah, you need to Pretty much all the ad campaigns I've done on that have been profitable, which has been good. That's good, yeah. But I've played with Facebook ads before, and I've just not had any impact at all with it. To be fair, we... I just think, am I doing it right? We haven't really, to be honest. We did remarketing, or, you know, like retargeting, remarketing ads, and and they kind of work, but not massively successful. And we are looking at, at... different targeting options within Facebook and it hasn't proven to be amazingly successful. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tricky, but then you have to try, I think what you have to do is, uh, we, we do like SEO and AdWords and that does work for us mm. and obviously Bing ads as well to a certain extent. And and they all, that works really well for us. So we're probably going to double down and do more work on those, but we are trying, always looking at new traction channels. So we're looking at Facebook ads and there's probably other things as well that we'll be looking at. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's a bit of a dark art, isn't it, marketing, you know? Something which I've had a bit of success with, actually, has been um, advertising or doing promoted posts on Instagram. Okay, yeah, yeah. So when, I, when I've been releasing some of my books, the, the girl who does the, the cover designs for me, she also does like a 3D mock-up of the book as well. It's, oh, cool, it's like yeah. a nice square image specifically for Instagram. Oh, nice. So you, you do it as a post and you sort of, you know, a couple of sentences about what the book's about and then you, you do it as a promoted post. Yeah. It gives you the ability to put a you know a buy now or go to Amazon button on there. Yeah, yeah. And you know I've been tracking that when I've done it a few times, and you know I've sort of seen an uptick in sales as I've done it. Yeah, yeah. But generally, for me, marketing just generally is just me either posting to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, yeah, so, well, you say you don't, but I mean you do attend a lot of conferences. Day that is your market. You know, one of yeah, your yeah, true. Uh, 
you say, oh, you know, marketing is something you struggle with, but I'm not entirely convinced you do. I think you, you do a good job. You, you know, uh, we just had some nice, uh, you've had some nice stickers printed for the Side Hustle Success podcast. Oh, they're, so they're really nice, don't they? Yeah, they are really nice. So we're gonna, I've taken a few, I'm gonna, gonna sort of distribute those. Um, but no, I, I think it's just little things like that. I think you've got to try lots of different things and sometimes it's just longevity, isn't it? I yeah. think if you're, like with this podcast, um, I think we'll just be around for years and hopefully somebody will like it and more and more people will listen to it. I think it's gradually, we're sort of looking through the stats and more and more people are listening to the show. So I think it's just a matter of just sticking at it, you know. Um, I think marketing's the same, really. I think you have to keep keep at it, don't you, really? Yeah. Um, we're working with a marketing intern this summer, actually, and we've done, done quite a lot of, we tried, most of the things we, we tried didn't work <laughs> rather annoyingly. But I think you just have to keep plugging, plugging away and trying different things. The thing I found most successful is because a lot of the stuff I do is kind of about helping people directly, either via courses or books. Oh, yeah. As yeah. opposed to being like a mass market product. Yeah. So for me, the thing that's been working well is, even though I'm not really a fan of Twitter, I've been trying to put a lot more effort into Twitter. Okay, yeah. So over yeah. the last six months, I've doubled the following that I've got on there, which admittedly is not massive at the minute. It's probably about two and a half thousand followers. That's good. That's quite. So that's, it's that's it's, it's not it's not that big compared to some people, but I, I actually find that engaging with people on there, building the following, and then doing tweets about the always, things that I'm doing actually yeah. seems to have more engagement with people. I think you're right. I think sometimes marketing is just a matter of building relationships with people, isn't it? And then when you do launch a product, they're going to buy yours as opposed to somebody else's, you know, yeah. because they have a relationship with you. And uh, same with like, I speak to a lot of customers on the telephones because of the telephone number on, so I gauge on the telephone. We do like little chat widget things. So some people, if they've got a question, they can talk to us and they engage with us. And that's that's gold, I think, you know, having that kind of interaction with customers but it, it takes time I think all of this all of this does doesn't it it does take time and it's by far the thing that I've found the hardest or it's the thing that worries me the most or the thing that I feel like I have the least control over if, if yeah I know marketing is it, it's it's like you say you try these things and then you don't know whether they're going to work or not some might so you don't know that's is, is, is all an unknown but I think it's it's long I mean I remember watching the a t- you know, a, like a film, you know, Ashton Kutcher, one about Steve Jobs. It's kind of a bit boring. Yeah, but, um, I actually quite like that film. Yeah, I do. And it, well, I think it kind of glosses over because it's a film. Is it? It glosses over. Suddenly, it's sort of like Steve Jobs, and here's old Steve Jobs, but it doesn't show the time in between. And you're thinking a lot must have happened there that was fairly boring and hard work and took ages and it, you know, to grow it from some yeah. guys in a garage to this like the world's biggest company. You know, it's. Yeah, it, I, that I, didn't happen overnight, did it? You no, know, it like, didn't. Like decades, I've always been quite fascinated with the Apple story. I mean, there, there's another film as well. It's got was it Michael Fassbender in it? Oh yeah, but I have, I, I have I, seen bits of that. Yeah, yeah, I think I've watched that. But it wasn't really. Yeah, it was. It was a. They're all quite hard I, work. I, I found that film a bit boring. The Ashton Kutcher one was at least kind of yeah, a bit more entertaining. Yeah, still, 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 it's still, still not, not that. In, and I find it interesting because I'm in that world. But it makes you think. You know. Everybody just watches a film and think you can do these things overnight, and you can't. It, it just all takes time, doesn't it? I think marketing's part of that. Yeah, it's not... their, their marketing was really good. I mean, I know a lot of people criticise Apple, and I'm not. T- I'm not trying to turn this into an Apple or Android debate or anything like that. But, <laughs> yeah. but the That's thing, the day. thing I liked about Apple is the way they did do their marketing. So they weren't just saying, you know, here's a computer; it can do X, Y, and Z. They were like, if you buy the Macintosh, it's going to help you think differently and change the world. It sounds a bit sucky, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, but. That, that was kind of the angle they took. It's like, you know, it's, it's not about what this machine is. It's about what it's going to allow you to do. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I think was a, a big differentiator between how, you know, traditional PCs, like IBM PCs, were, yeah. were marketed. Yeah, they probably marketed a particular task or something like that. They helped yeah. do your word processing or something, but it wasn't, this is going to make you a better human being or something like yeah. that. And, you know, love them or hate them, it's obviously worked because they're, they're now, what, over a trillion dollars in value? Yeah, yeah. absolutely so, insane. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you just got to keep plodding away at those, it's like, it's those simple things like, so if, if you found Twitter works for you, then you've just got to go in and tweet and, you know, and, and do this, do the work. You've got yeah, to put the work. Twitter, I think marketing is work. work. I think that's the hard bit. It's work, isn't it? Um, There's actually a guy local to where we work here that we've been talking about interviewing. Oh, yeah, a, marketing, he's, he's yeah. a dedicated internet marketing SEO expert so we're going to hopefully get him on the show yeah and you can we'll do like a do like a SEO tear down of our sites websites or something like that I was thinking that would be quite cool oh, you're brave <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that could be could be brutal yeah okay so that's marketing so yeah I, I find that the hardest part but it is a skill you need to build up and yeah you know. I think I think it's just it's just it's just plugging away at it mm. and trying different things Okay, so the next skill uh, that I think is 
really, really important is networking. So just getting out there and meeting people. Uh, this seems kind of very obvious, but the reason I put it on there is because from the background, well, my background, which is software development, traditionally, not all, but traditionally, a lot of developers are very bad at this. Yeah. Because it means going out and talking to humans. <laughs> to get, get, get from behind the screen into the real world, yeah, it's, yeah. it is difficult, yeah. But at the end of the day, op- opportunities don't just fall in your lap. You have to seek them out. Yeah, and yeah. And grab them. And the way you're going to do that generally is by networking with people. Yeah, it's the form is. I mean, for example, um, I think oh, I'm not a great networker, but then I thought oh, I met my business partner, Nick, at uh, a networking event. And, you know, if I didn't go to these events, I wouldn't have had mm. that opportunity. So I think it is really important that you get out there and, and meet real people. Um, you know, they may be potential customers or, or colleagues or, in my case, co-founders, you know. So yeah, I, think, I think it is important that you get out and, and, and see. And also... The kind of the relationships you form with meeting people in, in, the, in the it can't be beaten can it really no um, and also I do my mastermind group which is, is great for networking with other entrepreneurs as well you know so I think you, you do have to do these things I didn't probably like well see we've met you know by not networking but by working in the same building but again yeah. it's part of it isn't it oh absolutely but I mean um, I, I go to a lot of technical meetups and you know part of it's there about me you know spreading my word and you know courses that I'm doing but part of it is just meeting people yeah and just talking to people because you never know you know when you might end up working with someone and you know plus I go to conferences as well I mean there's lots of networking opportunities there but I think you've got to be careful though you don't want to go to a networking event with the intention to you know sell 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 because mm. that, that's not what it's about no, no. It's, it's about building up relationships with people that you might just be friendly with and then you know two years down the line you might think actually I know this guy who does this thing let me get yeah. in touch with him and see if we can work together on this project it seemed like with Nick I didn't start working with Nick straight away it was we'd known each other for quite a few years at, at various events and things that we'd done uh, together you know and so it didn't happen overnight but and there was probably no intention of ever doing anything together it just kind of happened you know because of the relationship you built up with Nick but I think it is, it is important isn't it to get out from behind your screen and unfortunately have to go out and meet real people yeah, I mean, I, I, I quite enjoy it. I mean, which, you know, early on I said I'm an introvert, but I said, you know, you probably think that I wouldn't like doing that, but actually I do like doing that. Yeah, I think... I, 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 think I just can't do it for too long and I need a bit of quiet time afterwards. Yeah, yeah, so I think, no, I think even introverts need to interact with other people. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, I, I've met so many interesting people over the last sort of four or five years, you know, people who are... Yeah, I've met some people that I previously used to look up to because I used to watch their courses, and now I'm really good You've friends. Got to meet them. your, got to meet. Uh, is it sometimes disappointing to meet your heroes though? <laughs> or not? No, no, not at all. No, that's that's not happened. I'm, I'm I'm really good friends with quite a few of them now, and we always bump into each other at conferences. Yeah, it's a bit like a traveling circus. These events, you always bump into people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, networking, I think, is absolutely essential because you never know when your next business opportunity is going to come from. And, you know, you hear this, uh, this term in Silicon Valley where they talk about pivoting your business. And you never know when that's going to happen, where you think you're building one product and then by happenstance you end up kind of completely switching to something different. Yeah, yeah, it can, it can happen. I think you have to be, you have to, it's good to have those connections, it gives you options, doesn't it? Yeah. To do, to do different things. Okay, uh, so the last one I've got then, and this is one that I think a lot of people probably find very difficult, which is yeah. why I've put it in here, which is delegating and outsourcing. So by delegating, I mean not doing everything yourself. Yeah, but giving work out to some other people. Yeah, I think I really struggle with this, like because um, we we we've got somebody who does support, and initially I did all of the support, and it's very hard because you always think oh, I'm the best person in the world to do support, and you yeah. probably are, but obviously it's not a, always a great use of your time when you could be doing other things. So it's really hard to delegate, and then somebody might take over. They probably don't do things exactly the way you would, but it's kind of good enough, hmm. and that's that's fine, you know. But it's, it's hard to sort of basically give somebody, you know, your responsibility of work that you think you can do best. I don't know, you, you struggle with this, do you, of delegating I'm, your own baby, you know, your I own... Think, I think work. I'm okay at it. So, I mean, there's always this analogy that I was told once. Um, it's the, uh, it's about a chocolate maker. And I always really, really liked this analogy. So you've got this guy who makes artisan chocolates, builds all the boxes himself. You know, it's the sort of thing you go into a little, like, cute, you know, Chocolate shopping, ah, okay, that, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. But then you know the business starts to get fairly successful, and he's faced, with, and he has to scale it up. And he's faced with a choice: which part am I going to outsource, the making of the chocolates or the making of the boxes? 
well, I'm a chocolatier, so the bit I need to focus on is making the chocolate. Okay. But I can't build this business and build all these boxes and pack everything myself. Yeah, yeah. So which which bit do you get rid of? You get, or which, not get rid of, which, <laughs> bit, which bit do you delegate? It's the bit that's not core to the business, which is the making of the chocolate boxes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've always loved that analogy, so I always think of it in terms of that. So when, oh, I'm, when, when, your, so when I'm building yeah. a course, is there really anything on that that I can outsource? No, because the course has to be me. I'm, I'm the one that's gone through the audition, so I have to I have to record and edit the course. But editing is one of the things I could outsource if I wanted to. Yeah, so you record yeah. all the footage and then get someone else to do the editing. I haven't done that yet because I actually quite enjoy the editing process. Yeah, yeah. So I've not done that. Um, things I have outsourced. So you know, I'm kind of okay in Photoshop, but I know that I'm not the best designer. Yeah. So things like book covers, I've just got someone else to do it for me. I think yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I, you have to outsource things because you just don't have the skill set exactly, to do yeah. that so, particular you know, task. So. The logo for this podcast. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I didn't design that myself. We, we got someone else to do it for us. Uh, you know, there's certain efficiencies for somebody who who does you know graphic design day in day out design yeah. your logo. You know, I mean, you could do it. So I think there are tools you can get that can help you and, and etc. But I think it's easier sometimes just to outsource. Yeah, it's probably more efficient like that, isn't it? You know, certain tasks you know are just more efficiently done by other people. And the other thing that I outsource because um, I release a lot of small books. I've also been doing audio books as well, you know, okay. like Audible and iTunes audio books. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm more than equipped to record those myself. You know, I'm sitting here staring at the massive microphone. Yeah. I've got yes. to sit on the desk over there. We're doing a podcast now. So yeah. Do I do that? No, I actually outsource that to a professional voice actor who does it for me. Yeah. Because to record and edit an audio book, I mean, you're talking that the end result is going to be anywhere between two and five hours of recorded audio. And to record that level or that much audio flawlessly is near and impossible. So there's a lot of editing you have to do as well. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, is my time best spent doing that? I mean, I've written the book. Yeah. Is it, you know, is it going to be worth me spending an entire week recording and editing this audio book? Or should I just get the guy who does it for me now, Tim? To record it for me, so we, we agree a date that it's going to be done by. I hand it off to him, and then I don't have to worry about it for another month. Yeah, no, I think sometimes you do have to, to and also you can get more done. You know, it's a matter of getting more done, isn't it? So, like with, I just said about the support, you know, if I was doing support all day, I perhaps wouldn't be able to get put effort into marketing or product development or anything like that. So, I think you do have to at some point as the business grows, you can't do everything, and you have to sort of let bits of the business go. It's kind of painful to do it, but. In order to grow, that's what you have to do. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll put it, it there because I think a lot of people, st- especially if you're like a solo person building up your yeah, own I mean, products, I, I think it's very, very hard to let go. Sometimes not, that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes you might want to do everything, you know, and that that's fine mm. if that's what you want to do. But but there will there will become a point as you grow though that you're going to have to start letting go. Of something yeah, you don't necessarily have to grow though. <laughs> you, don't, you, you, know, don't. you don't have to, but yeah, I think I think it helps. I think. Well, when, when I say grow, I don't necessarily mean in hiring staff, but I mean as in as revenue comes in, kind of like some of the priorities and the things you have to do day to day are going to start changing. Yeah, yeah. But perhaps, perhaps as you get more revenue and you can afford to delegate to yeah. that stuff as well. But yeah, I think I think it's crazy to try and do everything yourself sometimes. I think I think that's a mistake that lots of business owners make, isn't it? Where they end up trying to do too much. Yeah. I think at some point you've got to kind of let bits go. And in order, like you said, you've got to concentrate on what you say your core competences you know like chocolate making or whatever it is you've got to concentrate on what is core to your business so with me it might be um, marketing and like product development you know developing new products and or you know working on existing products and also the marketing is probably what we should put all of our efforts into but perhaps doing support isn't isn't if I do support all day that's not going to help that goal cool okay so those are what I basically think are kind of important skills that I think people need to develop. So just to refresh them, so people skills, you know, listening skills, being assertive, conflict resolution, just general, you know, working with people. Yeah. It's, I mean, it seems obvious, but I mean, if you're in a more people-focused role like sales or marketing, then you're just naturally going to be good at this anyway. Yeah. But sometimes if you're a software developer, someone who, you know, tends to work more behind the scenes, general people skills is, is a bit harder. Sometimes the other thing is if you, if you could also, if you could work with or outsource or, or partner with people that have those skills, that can sometimes yeah. be useful as well. So you don't, you know, sometimes you get great teams where it's one guy's the tech guy and one guy's the salesman or whatever. They can work quite well sometimes, yeah. you know. So then we did organisation and planning. So being able to organise 
yourself and your business yeah. and being able to sort of plan ahead is very important. Mm. So you know, when do I want to release this product by? You know, you need to set a stake in the ground and you need to get that product out there as quickly as you can. So and that requires planning and being fairly organised. Uh, then we discuss problem solving. You know, just generally being able to solve problems, whether it's the actual development of your product itself or some of the aftercare support. You know, things can and will go wrong. Yeah. So being able to solve those problems quickly is essential. Uh, budgeting and financial. You know, the probably the least sexiest bits of uh, trying <laughs> to run a business, but As you are going to need skills in doing that, or at least someone who can help you with that. Marketing. This is so. This is the bit that always worries me the most: is you know, getting people to know about what it is you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, difficult. Uh, networking, you know, going out there, meeting new people, you know, seeking opportunities. Yeah. And then finally, we talked about delegating and outsourcing. So sometimes you need to let go and sort of let some other people take some of the workload off of you. Yeah. Whether it be someone that you employ or whether you, you know, take on a, like a freelancer to do on a case by case basis. Yeah, I think you have to sort of get practice with delegating uh, and outsourcing. You know, it's, it's a skill that needs to be learned and practiced and, and, and used. So I think if you can master those skills, you know, practice them as much as you can whilst you're doing your, you know, standard jobby job before you, yeah. before you pull the plug and go full time. Or, or you could perhaps there's aspects of your a side hustle as well whilst you're still working. You could perhaps work on a few of those skills if you don't necessarily get those skills. Or if you're weak at certain areas, perhaps it, it's it might be good to sort of get help from people that are, that do have those sort of skills as well. Absolutely. Great. So we're approaching near the end of the episode. So it's now time for us to do some of our recommendations to the viewers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to do you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. There's a, a book called Rework. Um, it's by a company called Thirty Seven Signals. I think it's Jason Fried and David Hanemeyer Hansen. Um, and it's just quite an interesting book because it's, I don't think you've, you've not read this, so it probably mean anything to Steve, but it, it's just quite interesting because it's like, um, it sort of goes away from the crazy startup world and it's sort of like saying that you can have a successful startup and not go crazy doing it. So they sort of advocate just working a normal week. Um, so the, the big thing they do is about if you're building a product, this was this is quite an old book really, but it was about having less features and, and just, it's just quite an interesting take on the startup world, you know, and they're big into sort of bootstrapping your product mm. rather than funding. And it, it, I recommend that all all founders take a look at that book. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've not read the book, but I did have a quick look um, before we started recording. And it is on that Blinkist app, which I recommended oh, is it? Oh, okay, in the last yeah. episode. Yeah, perhaps you should scan through it. So yeah. I might, might listen to the, the summary of it. Yeah, yeah, that's good, yeah. Cool. Uh, so the one I want to recommend, I, I touched on this briefly I think it's either last episode or the episode before where I just sort of treated myself to a, a standing desk or an le- electric standing desk. Okay, yeah, yeah. But literally, I'd only had it set up about half an hour before we started recording, <laughs> so I couldn't really give it an accurate appraisal of it. Yeah, so it's a, that, that desk you can see over there in the office. It's, it's, it seems to have a seat underneath it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was sitting down earlier, so... It, <laughs> <laughs> I should have left it in the standing position. Uh, you can raise, it raises, it goes up and down. Oh, it does, yes. Yeah. So there's a little control panel at the front. So the one I got is the um, FlexiSpot E2B electric sit-stand desk. Ah, that's cool. And the reason I got it is because I've been trying to be a bit more healthy. Okay. I, I, know, I know in our next episode we're going to be talking about sort of staying healthy as a business. Owner. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that because something is of particular interest to me, yeah. But this is something that was quite important to me because I've, I've been trying to get a bit healthier. You know, you know, as you get older, you put a bit of weight on. So I, t- I tend to do a lot of walking. Okay, yeah, so I've yeah. always been good at that. I enjoy walking. That's when I tend to listen to podcasts. Um, but then I come to the office and I sit down for seven, eight or nine hours. And sitting down all day is really not good for you it can lead to you know diabetes high blood pressure yeah I've heard this yeah I mean that's a problem a bit we live quite sedentary lives don't yeah, we so I, I, I took a bit of the bullet and bought this desk it wasn't particularly cheap I think the legs were about 300 pounds and then the top was about 130 pounds yeah but it's been absolutely brilliant so generally what I do is I, I get into the office I'll probably start the first hour of the day off standing okay yeah yeah you know, doing some admin tasks and just, you know, getting set up for the day. Then I'll sit for an hour, hour and a half, and then I'll raise it again. And I kind of alternate between that, between the day. Because one thing everyone says is that just because you've got a standing desk, if you stand all day, every day, that's probably almost as bad as just sitting. Yeah, day. I know my, my wife, she used to work in operating theatres. And um, yeah, I think and she was literally stood up all day. And I think it is quite punishing, you know, on, on your joints and everything, you know, to be stood all day. Perhaps you need a, a mixture, don't you, between standing, sitting in yeah. different positions. And... So what I've got is underneath the desk, I've got this like, thick rubber mat. It's about an inch thick. It's called an okay. anti-fatigue mat. 
So oh, if you're okay. standing, you, you stand on this mat and it's kind of squishing. It allows you to sort of adjust your feet position quite easily. So it just stops oh, okay. your feet from getting tired. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. Um, there's, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of recommending sit-stand desks in general, not you know necessarily specifically that one. Um, but the reason I went for that one, as opposed to like the Ikea one, which is a bit cheaper, is that the one that I've bought has got memory locations on it. Okay. So I can say, you know, memory slot one is my sitting height. Location two is my general standing height. If I'm recording videos where I want to be standing, I have the desk just a little bit higher. Okay, yeah. So I've got that set to location three. Oh, that's quite cool, yeah. So the reason I picked this desk is because it's got those memory locations, whereas the one from Ikea, which is also very popular, it's called the Ikea Bacant's desk, doesn't have those memory locations. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. store your locations, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. It uh, just allow, allows me to be a bit healthier during the day. Okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that's something we'll discuss in uh, the next podcast. Absolutely. So uh, it's been a great episode. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Okay, cheers. Thanks, Steve. So we'll be back again in the next couple of weeks. Um, one thing I could ask is, you know, no matter whether you listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else, if you could rate the podcast, hopefully five out of five. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and yeah, leave us some comments. That would be, that'd be brilliant. Always, well, we always welcome five-star reviews, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the process of setting up a Twitter account. I've been a bit lazy in getting <laughs> okay. it set up. But at the minute, if, um, if you go, go down to the show notes... I'll put my um, Twitter address in there. So if you do want to sort of send us questions specifically, so I normally go out and sort of seek questions from people, but if there's okay. anything you particularly want to ask us or comment on, or give us any feedback, you know, let me know via Twitter or via the contact form on my blog, which will make it a bit more yeah. anonymous. Um, then we'd love to hear from you. Okay. Look forward to hearing from you. See you next episode.